0: Amen. Good morning, church. Praise God. Good morning to all of you watching online as well, listening to this message. It's good to be together again. And yes, and it's Advent, a Christmas series that we are doing. Um, It's a series you're doing on events, on births, Advent means the expectation of something important, something significant, the arrival of something significant, a person or a thing. And of course, around this Christmas time, we're celebrating the advent of Jesus, the arrival of someone very significant who changed the history of the world. And if we will allow it, he will change our lives too, the history of our lives. Amen? Let's dive into today's message. Today is part two of the Advent and uh, today part two is called The Unexpected Prince. The Unexpected Prince. Last week as we started the series I mentioned that the Bible, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation contains one mega story, a mega narrative. There is one story flowing through all those 66 books. Oh. Only God can do this, okay? When, uh, when, when 66 books are written in, in different times, it took uh, about 1,500 years for all those books to be written. Over 40 authors written in three continents. And yet, All of them harmonize into one story. At the center of the story is Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot more going on, but the common thread in all those stories is Jesus Christ. And so in this series, we are looking at births which pointed to Jesus. In the Old Testament, much of what you read in the Old Testament is pointing to the coming of Jesus, the coming of Messiah, And so as you read the stories, as you study the life of certain men, certain people of faith, uh, certain women in the Old Testament, you see they're all pointing forward to someone who would come. The New Testament reveals that person. That's Jesus Christ. And you see a whole bunch of Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the New Testament. And then, of course, the New Testament points forward to the return of Jesus. Jesus came. He fulfilled his purpose. We heard this morning as my wife opened the service about the fact that we need to understand and find out our purpose. None of us is born as an oopsie. Your parents, when they found out they were pregnant with you, they may have wondered or thought, oops, that wasn't planned. But God has a purpose and a plan even for the oopsies of this world. Amen? We all are born with a purpose. God has placed in you gifts, abilities, and He wants you to connect with Him to activate those gifts and abilities to fulfill your purpose on this earth. And so, uh, during the first three weeks of December, last Sunday, this Sunday, next Sunday, we're looking at births of, of people That fulfilled their purpose, but in fulfilling their purpose, they pointed to the one that was coming. On the 25th, Sunday the 25th, in our Christmas service of the year, we're going to talk about, of course, the greatest birth of all. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But so we saw last week that running through the the Bible are these stories. And as we look at these three births, we we are finding out the the similarities and and they are like a a shadow or a type of what was to come. Jesus fulfilled all that. But in these lives that we are studying, we see foreshadowing, you know, of, of what was coming. Like Paul said, in the Old Testament, we saw like in, in shadows, but with Jesus, we see the reality. And so, last Sunday, we spoke about Isaac, and as we, of course, as we started about Isaac, and if you missed it, go back to our website and, and watch or listen to that message. But as we studied the life of Isaac and, and his birth and how it is similar in many ways to the birth of Jesus and how it pointed to the birth of Jesus, we also learned that what God promises Will happen according to His time, Amen. And so we need to be encouraged by that because sometimes it's so easy to to wonder, is God ever going to come through for us? Abraham and Sarah had to wait a long time, and history waited a long time for the coming of Messiah. And many times we think God's answers are like taking forever. And yes, God doesn't always answer in a hurry, but we need to have faith and believe that God's promises will be kept, but in his own time. Of all the well-known figures of the Old Testament, one stands out that truly points to Christ in his birth, in his life, And in his ministry, he foreshadowed the ministry of Jesus Christ. I am talking about a person who became an unexpected prince. A prince in Egypt. So now you know who I'm talking about. And it's not Joseph, okay? I'm talking about Moses. I'm talking about Moses. Moses was born a Jew. But he became a prince in Egypt. An unexpected prince because Pharaoh had decreed that every boy that was born to the Jews must be killed. After Joseph basically saved Egypt because he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and then he made provision for all the wheat so they'd be prepared for the times of famine... And they remember then Joseph's family came over and they stayed with him in Egypt. But over the years, that family began to grow and God blessed the Israelites. And they became numerous. Centuries later, that first Pharaoh was gone. And by this time, the ruler of Egypt had forgotten about Joseph and, and the good that they had done to Egypt. He looked at his Jews and he became threatened. He says, man, these guys are eventually going to be bigger than us. And they're going to overthrow us. And so he says, no, 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 we must stop you, Especially the boys. We don't want boys, Jewish boys around. And so he made a decree that from that time onwards, no Jewish boy must be allowed to live. They must be killed. So Pharaoh makes a decree to kill Jewish boys. And then he grooms a Jewish boy as a prince in his own palace. How's that? How how, how, how does God put these things together? And as an an adopted son of his daughter. Now you know the story. And so Moses was truly an unexpected prince. Of all the people that could become a prince in Egypt, the last person for anyone to think about would be a Jewish boy. And yet, there he was. And like Isaac... We can look at the life of Moses as an adult and see how he foreshadows Jesus. Like I said last week, when you think about Isaac, we tend to think of that episode when Isaac was almost crucified, and then we relate that to, to Jesus. The same thing with Moses. When you look at the life of Moses, we tend to think of the Exodus, we tend to think of the Passover, and so we tend to link Moses to Easter. The story of Moses links to the story of Easter, which it does. But this series is about births, okay? So, let's find out how the birth of Moses points to the birth of Jesus. And I hope here you're going to have some new insights. Amen? As we heard this morning that, that you know, maybe we have some new insights. I certainly uh, had fun studying this and realizing that, you know, there are some things that sometimes we overlook. We focus only on certain main aspects of a person's life, like, like Moses. We think, oh yeah, Moses, uh, opened the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments. Uh. And, and we miss out on other little details which are clearly pointing and similar to what happened to Jesus. And so today we're going to find out. So let us read about the birth of Moses and that we find in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And so let us read. And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So both husband and wife are from the tribe of Levi, priestly tribes. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. All right. Now, this part of the story of Moses is written very concisely. And like Jesus, the story of Moses, it doesn't give too much detail about his early years. Like in the spot, here, yeah, we don't even know who the father and the mother was. Later on in Exodus, we find out, chapter 6 about, we find out who the father was, the mother was, and, and the family and so on. So when you read like this, you're just getting the concise information. So she gives birth to this child. It's a beautiful child. Now I wonder whose opinion this was. Because I haven't met a mother yet that looks at her child and says, oh, such an ugly child. To a mother, her children are always beautiful. Amen, mothers? And they just get more and more beautiful as they get older. anyway verse 3 after three months she could no longer hide him and so she took an ark of bulrushes for him like a little basket she dabbed it with asphalt and pitch put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. A lot of people, when they're reading Exodus 2, 2, and they hit verse 4, they go, wait, 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 wait. In verse 1, the man just got married. Okay? In verse 2, the woman conceives. In verse 4, he's got a sister. You see, they're not telling the complete story of it. They're skipping things. Here's the deal. This man married his wife, and they had three children. They had a boy and a girl. Aaron, Miriam, and then came Moses. Between after, after the second child, that's when Pharaoh gave this law. So the third child, Moses, he was born under the time of this ruling. I don't know if the mother was pregnant when the ruling came forth, if she fell pregnant just after the ruling came forth. But as you know, when a country leader makes a ruling, at that point it becomes valid. You can't say, oh, sorry, sir, but I was pregnant before you made the reading. Sorry, he gets born, he's a boy, he's gone. And so that's what happened over here. So the two f- children, the first two children were born during the time they could have kids, could have boys. And then when Moses was born, it was under the spirit when he gave this, uh, this law. And so he did have a sister, he did have a brother, which we meet later on, okay, uh, a brother who helped him. To, to speak because m- m- Moses was a stutterer. Okay. Amazing, eh? How God can use anybody. And so, that's why I say, guys, you know, we have a purpose. You know, so, it's so easy for us to look at our weakness. I can't do this and I can't do that. And, and we focus on what we can't do and we don't notice what we can do. And that's why we've got to come to God. Because God knows what you can't do. But he also knows what you can do. Because he made you. He shaped you. He put his gifts in you. He put his calling in you. But it's up to you to come to him and discover your calling and exercise your calling. You all right? Okay. So the sisters were far off to know what would happen. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she, Pharaoh's daughter, saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. Moses was a weeping baby. And and so she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from from the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for you? (laughs) Opportunist, eh? I mean, the daughter hadn't said anything about keeping the child. But Miriam is there. Can, can I get somebody to look up the child for you? No, very good. And Pharaoh's daughter said to, her, uh, said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. How's that? And then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. And I will give you your wages. <laughs> so the woman took the child and nursed him. So Moses was nursed by his mother and still got paid for it. Can Jews make a deal or can Jews make a deal? Right? Nah, come on. <laughs> anyway, number ten, verse ten. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Amen. He became a prince, and she called his name Moses, saying, "Because I drew him out of the water." Interesting. The name Moses means to be drawn out but not in the sense of that he was drawn out but it means drawing out continuously drawing out now that's interesting because moses means continuously drawing out and jesus said if you are thirsty come to me And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the water giver. The spiritual water giver. And not just just taking out. He's a continuous water giver. And the name of Moses means drawn out. Is water flowing out all the time. Amen. And interesting that later on in his life, Moses had two incidents where he had to draw water out of a rock remember anyway but that's another story we're looking at births over here so how does the birth of moses foreshadow the birth of jesus well we get our answer to that in the new testament 2000 years later matthew sits down to write his gospel now matthew wrote primarily to the Jews. When you read the the Gospel of Matthew, each each one of the four Gospels has a kind of a a different emphasis. It's like, you know, looking at the same mountain from four different angles and and you write what you see. Each of these four writers write about Jesus, but from different perspectives. It's the same story, just different points of view. And when Matthew writes, he makes sure that the Jewish people that are reading his Gospel... Yet to see that Jesus fulfills Jewish prophecy. That Jesus aligns with Jewish thought and Jewish expectations. Now, Moses was and is big amongst the Jewish people till today. He's one of the main prophets. He was the, the first great prophet really was, was, was Moses for the Jewish people. The prince of Egypt. And so, but particularly in the first century, because of other writings that Josephus had emphasized about, about Moses and so forth, it was very really prominent in the Jewish mind. The life of Moses was very really prominent in the Jewish mind. And so, as Matthew writes his gospel, and in fact, as he writes about the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 2, he lays out. The events of the birth of Jesus according to the pattern of the life of Moses. So if you are a Jew and you are familiar with the life of Moses. And you start reading chapter 2 of Matthew. You cannot help but make a link between Jesus and Moses. And it quickly becomes apparent that Moses was foreshadowing Jesus. That Moses in, even in his birth Yes, later in his life too, but from his birth, he's pointing to Jesus. So let us look at similarities between the birth of Moses and Jesus as recorded in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 21. Now, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to give you the verses, okay? And I suggest that sometime this week, you take some time and, and read Matthew chapter 2. We are in the Christmas season, so try and get some time every every week to have some devotion, devotions, your devotions. Read about Christmas. Go over what we're discussing on Sundays, and and make that link in this season. Amen. So here we go. Number one, Herod desires to destroy jesus as, as as matthew begins to write he, he states that he starts with with this point that herod desired to destroy jesus in matthew uh, chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 he says mary desires to slay jesus that's what he desires to do and so what you read there is that joseph takes mary and the baby away herod when he heard about this baby that they called king Remember, because everybody was unaware of the birth of Jesus. I mentioned last week that one needs to be aware of the times we are living in. God does things according to the right time. At the right season, at the right time, God will fulfill his promises. And God had told, foretold, when Jesus would be born. He revealed it to Daniel. It's in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. It says so many years and then Messiah will be struck down, and nobody took notice, but some people far away in Babylon they took notice. Daniel had been a ruler in Babylon. he wrote his book of Daniel in Babylon, and the people that lived after and these were guys they were not not. Really believers in the God of the Bible, they believed in the stars and this and that and the other. But they read Daniel's book and they projected and they knew, man, about this time something must happen. And so they came to Israel to find out what's going on. They came to Jerusalem and they started inquire where is this prince that's supposed to be born? and then the scribe said oh yes there is something else and they went to look up isaiah oh it says he's going to be born in bethlehem blah 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 okay so we'll go there and here it says hey you know, when you find out this prince or this king let me know i want to go and worship him as well <laughs> yeah all right and so god warned the, the wise men and they went away never told herod anything and so he got furious because you know herods don't want competition These rulers, they don't want no competition. Just like Pharaoh in the Old Testament. These rulers want no competition. And they were ruthless. Not much has changed today, has it? We have a war going on right now. And people being killed. Because some ruler feels threatened. Human, sinful nature. Nothing has changed. Unless Jesus comes into our lives... And changes our hearts, nothing changes in humanity. We may change our clothing, we may find fancy ways of moving about with cars and aeroplanes and what have you, but our heart stays as rotten as ever. I don't care how fancy we get in our civilization. Okay? And so that's what happened over here. Herod fell threatened. Well, what was it? Bethlehem, right? Okay, so he calculated, okay, two years, two years under, kill every baby under two years. And he had them sacrificed. In Exodus chapter 2, we heard Pharaoh desires to kill Moses. And so Moses had to go away. Number two, male boys are killed in Bethlehem. And we read that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Herod commands all male boys of Bethlehem, two and under, to be murdered meantime 2,000 years before Exodus 122, Pharaoh commands all male Israelite boys to be murdered. Can you see the comparison? Moses, Jesus. Then number three, eventually Herod dies in Matthew chapter 2 verse 19, it says, "Herod died." and in Exodus 223, Pharaoh dies both these men were so ruthless and so, so threatening to these children. Their life had a limited span. Nobody's going to rule forever. You're going to die. And so both the Zulus died. Number four, Joseph is instructed to go back. Once Herod has died, Joseph is instructed to go back. And by the way, it's interesting that when this threat came, God told Joseph to go where? To Egypt. There where Moses was, okay. There where he was hidden as well for a while. Um, Jesus had to go to Egypt as well. He spent some time. Jesus spent some time in Africa. Yay! Come on, guys. <laughs> and so he spent part of his early childhood in Africa until Herod died. And then point number four: Joseph is instructed to go to go back. And so the angel, Matthew 2, 19 to 20, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Go back, for those seeking Jesus' life are dead. And so Joseph goes back. But because he knew that it was Herod's son that was ruling, he didn't want to take a chance and go back to where he was in Bethlehem. So he makes his way all the way up north, and he goes to a little village called Nazareth. Tiny little village, like insignificant, middle of nowhere. You know, And so he goes up there and he lives quietly over there. And that's where Jesus grows up. He doesn't want to take chances. We, we, we as parents, we do this, don't we? we? We think forward and we want to protect our children, sometimes overprotect our children. And, and, and that was typical of Joseph and Mary. They were normal human beings too. All right? They didn't have angels singing to them every single day. It happened a couple of times and that's it. The rest of their lives had to work hard and sweat it and make decisions like we have to do. And off they went into this little village called Nazareth. In Exodus 4.19, the Lord speaks to Moses. Of course, in Moses' case, it took a bit longer for Pharaoh to die. He actually had grown up. But then the Lord speaks to Moses, go back, because those seeking your life are dead. Remember, uh, Moses kind of grew up as a prince, but then he, he began to see the unfairness of the treatment that the Egyptians were having towards the Israelites. And one day he lost it and he tried to defend an Israelite person. In the process he killed an Egyptian. And then he had to flee. All right? But then while he's in the desert, the Lord speaks to him and says, Hey, Moses, those seeking your life are dead. You must go back now. Hmm. And so point number five, in Matthew we read that Joseph and family, they return. Matthew chapter 2.21, Joseph took Jesus and Mary and went back to Israel. In Exodus 4.20, Moses took his wife and children and returned to Egypt. So both have a period of going away and then coming back again into the land in which they are going to have a function, in which they're going to minister. Amen? And so that is what, what happened. Again, like I said, Jesus was still uh, small when Joseph came back. Moses was a grown man, he had to run away, went to the desert. There he got married, started a family, and he was quite happy looking after sheep, nice and quiet. But in his heart, he had never forgotten his people. They were forever in his heart. And that's why God knew he could call on Moses. You see, because not only in their births, but in their lives, Moses and Jesus were similar. You see, Moses was born to lead his people out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. He was born for that purpose and that's why even though you know he, he 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 did that thing in trying to defend his people he killed someone and then he had to run away and he probably thought that's it i've made a blunder i blew it that's it i'm going to be a shepherd for the rest of my life uh-uh his purpose still stood and again at the right time god came knocking on the door of moses moses time to go back those who wanted to kill you they gone they dead now Let's go back and finish our business. What business? The business of leading his people, leading the Israelites out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Well, Jesus was born for a purpose too. (laughs) And his purpose, he was born to lead the world out of the bondage of slavery to sin. That was his purpose. Moses' purpose was focused on a nation. The purpose of Jesus was focused on the world. Yet, the purpose of Moses touched the whole world. Because in God using Moses to give the law to his people, that law became effective in the whole world. Do you know that for the last 2,000 years, most of the law systems in the world have been based on the judeo uh, Jewish legal system, the Ten Commandments. Much of the developments that we've made in society have come from the laws that God gave his people while they were in the desert. The whole invention and development of the sewage system, for instance, which started in England, was inspired by the writings of moses as he gave his people law for instance when they were out in the desert if they had to go to the toilet they had to go outside the camp not to bring infections inside the camp eventually somebody in england said hey what if you have a system that we take all the stuff out of the homes away from where people live and so the sewage system was born and that brought much healing and health to the people. And today, it is a standard thing in most of the you know civilized countries. When you follow God's rules, it brings health to people. Not just spiritual health. I'm not going to talk about salvation. That's, that's wonderful. But when you follow God's laws, even if you're an unbeliever, if you follow God's laws, it will bring health to you. And a better life for you. And so Moses was responsible for bringing, for influencing the world, through the laws that God gave to his people, and after studying those things, doctors, until not too long ago, many women were dying in childbirth. A lot. You know why? Because doctors would be operating or working with a patient and then they get, a, they get a call. Somebody comes, hey, Mr. So is giving birth. Oh, so they quickly rush over and help the mother and help give birth and then go back and do what they were doing. Have you seen what I've done here? I went from here, this patient, to the mother and back to this patient again. Did you see I didn't stop to wash my hands? That's how doctors worked. And then some doctor read in the word of God that Moses says you must wash When you you touch a dead body, you wash. When you touch somebody that is sick, you wash. There were all these washings. And somebody said, what if we as doctors, we begin to wash our hands between patients? And and they started implementing this in the clinics. And mother mortality dropped. Moms stopped dying. Because there was no more transference of sickness from here to there to everywhere. This is just some free information, okay? It wasn't part of my notes. But just to show how God's laws, when we study God's laws and we apply them to our lives and to our realities, it brings health. Did you see that? And so Moses has influenced, the writings of Moses has, have influenced societies across the world. But his main mission was to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. And Jesus, the main mission of Jesus was to lead us out of the bondage of slavery to sin. Of course, we follow Jesus, and there are a whole bunch of other benefits, including, you know, health and, and other things, but his main mission was that. Moses was a prophet, he was a messenger of God, he was a person who spoke for God. Very often, God Moses would hear directly from God. You know, sometimes prophets will have an angel visitation. No, Moses, he is God directly. The two of them have a conversation. How cool is that, eh? And then he comes and he comes and he says, God told me. Now, sometimes, you know, people these days will do this. Some preachers, some prophets. Oh, God told me. God, you No, know, what you're actually saying is, I sense that God told me. I've got a strong feeling. And so we learn to discern when is it the Spirit of God speaking to us? When is it my flesh speaking to me? And when is the devil trying to influence me? Because all of us have to deal with these three voices. The Holy Spirit is in us. As believers, the Holy Spirit, so He will speak to us. But very seldom does He speak in an audible voice. He can, and He does sometimes. But most times, it's a soft, quiet voice inside us. But of course, we are too busy to hear that voice. We are rushing around here and we're stuck to our phones and we're following this and we're reading that. And the music is blaring, blah, blah, blah. And we've got no time and no way of getting quiet to hear that still, small voice. We are too busy. And so we bulldoze and we rush through life. And then, boom, we come crashing down. We say, what happened? What happened? And God is saying, I was talking to you all the time, but you were too busy to listen. Uh Or we see something and we overreact. We do something in a hurry. Like Moses did. And then things come crashing down. Folks, (laughs) Moses was a prophet. He heard from God and he spoke to people. But Jesus, he was the ultimate prophet. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2 says that, Over the years, God spoke in in different times, and God spoke in times past by by the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken by his son. Jesus himself came down from heaven, became one of us, and spoke to us directly the will of God. And we have it recorded in the New Testament, word for word. Amen? Now, today, we are going to share Communion. And I'm going to ask the ashes, please, to start distributing the cups, please. Thank you. As I continue sharing a little bit. You see, it was under Moses, it was under Moses, that the first Passover took place. Remember? God instructed Moses, you know, the firstborn, that to put the blood on the doorpost and so forth. And so it was under Moses that that first Passover took place took place and after the exodus until today every single year the jewish nation they stop once a year and they celebrate passover they stop to remember what god did in egypt all those years ago through moses this unexpected prince well it was jesus who introduced the Last Supper, who introduced communion. He's the one who said, hey, do this in remembrance of me. From now on, you, must, you guys must do this. And so, after his death, burial, and resurrection, the church has been practicing this. The church was instructed to celebrate this, not once a year, but whenever they want to. Whenever they come together, they can do this, to celebrate communion and remember how Jesus took us out Of the bondage of slavery. There again the parallel. You see Moses the purpose. And after his life he left something. A celebration remained. Well Jesus fulfilled his purpose. And after that he left something. A ceremony which we do regularly. And we will keep on doing it. Until his return. And as we do this. We remember. How Jesus took us out. Of the bondage of slavery to sin. Now the story of Moses is often associated more with Easter than with Christmas, right? But the story of Moses also has a place in Advent. During Christmas we look both at the birth of Jesus as well as the return of Jesus. The church today, we as a church today, we are very much as the Israelites were towards the end of the Old Testament, okay? If you go towards the end of the Old Testament, you read about it. Towards the end of the Old Testament, Israel was in exile, remember? They had been taken away, they were in Babylon, they were scattered all over the place. They were in exile. And as they did so, they were waiting for the coming of Messiah, Messiah. They were hoping and expecting Messiah to come and restore Israel again. Take them out of this, this, this exile status. They want to go back home and be a nation again. Be a kingdom again. And with that in mind, they would remember Moses and they would remember Egypt. And while they were in exile, they would cry out to God, remembering what happened and hoping and anticipating the coming of Messiah to set them free and make them a nation again, a kingdom again. Today, the church is in a very similar situation. Listen, church, this world, as we know it, this is not our home. I hope you know that. All right? Yeah, we, we, can, we, we, can, we can be very patriotic and we can fight for our nation, our tribe, and this and that. But this is not our home. As Christians this world is not our home this world as it is is not our home as christians we are citizens of the kingdom of god and we long for the return of the king because when the king returns all the problems and hassles and unfairness that we have in this world will be gone no more unfairness no more racism no more women and children getting beaten up. No more load shedding. Hallelujah. Aren't you looking forward to that? And so we, 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 we strive. You know, we are here. We have to love here. But we're also thinking of there and, and the return of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so very much as as Israel and Moses, as they were in the end of the the Old Testament, today the church, as we approach the end of the church age, we are also in that position. And when Christmas comes, we, we remember the coming of Jesus. But we say, Lord Jesus, return. We're looking forward to your return as well. We look forward and anticipate the coming of the kingdom of Christ. Amen. When he returns For his people, so as it was with Israel and Moses at the end of the Old Testament, so it is with the Church and Christ today. And so, we're gonna take up communion. Can we stand, please? And can I have a? I forgot to bring one. Can somebody give me a cup as well, please? Um, And so, as we as we stand today to to take communion, as we do so, let's remember with thanksgiving. Thank you so much, Abelie. Thank you very much. Got one. Thank you. So let us remember with thanksgiving that jesus came that he died on the cross according to scripture that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to scripture and that he is alive hallelujah we look back and we celebrate that but we also look forward with anticipation to his coming for the bible declares in 1 corinthians 11:26 for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death past until he comes prophetic future because you know he is coming and as we learned last week god keeps his promises according to his own time amen So I hope you guys are watching online already as well with your bread and your juice. So let us pray and enjoy communion. Father God, you are a promise keeper. And as this Christmas season, we are reminded of the coming of Jesus, the coming, the birth of Messiah. We are also very much aware of the prophecies and the promise of his return. To establish your kingdom on in this world. And so Lord, today as we remember what you did for us in that cross. As you set us free from captivity and bondage to sin. As you open up the door for us to be children of God. Hallelujah. We thank you Lord. And you look forward to To your return thank you for this bread lord fruit of the ground reminding us of your broken body lord i pray that everyone that takes it today lord god will be aware of your sacrifice i pray father for a blessing upon each one taking where there is sickness and disease We speak forth healing in Jesus' name. For verily you took upon your body our sicknesses and diseases. And so we declare health and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat and be blessed. We thank you, Father, for this cup. We thank you, Father, for the fruit of the vine which reminds us of your blood. Which just poured forth, Lord, for, for the world, for the sins of the world. You fulfilled your mission, Lord Jesus, as you poured your blood out. And you paid the price for the sins of humanity, Lord. And so we come to you today and we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord God, for opening the way to the Father. We ask you for forgiveness of our sins, Lord, and Lord, those sins which seem to be so attached to us, that we seem to keep on falling in them over and over. Lord, not only we pray for your forgiveness, but Lord, that you'll enable us to overcome them completely. Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you for your strength. Thank you for freedom, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Take and drink. Thank you, Lord God, for the cup of of blessing hallelujah please remain standing as i just conclude this message with the following the prince of egypt moses he was moved by the evil and the injustice and the violence that he saw in his day he saw it against his people and that moved him at first As he was moved by this, he reacted in anger. And in doing this without thinking of the consequences, he killed someone and that caused him trouble. In trying to resolve a problem by reacting in anger, he caused more problems and he could not achieve his intended purpose. Later, he was moved to act, but this time under the guidance of God. And so he came back, still moved by desire to see an end to lawlessness, to violence, to evil. And this time, because he came under the guidance of God, he brought about the deliverance of his people. Now you and I. When we reflect on the evil, the injustice and the violence around us today, our, our first thought may be to, to react in anger. How dare they do this? How can this happen? Who's, what was they thinking? And, and our initial reaction might be to do something. Maybe in vengeance or in anger or just to let them have it. But we, if we do that, we give no thought to the consequences. And like Moses, we may end up doing more harm than good, and resolving nothing. And that's what you see happening around the world. We must reflect. We must go before God and cry out to God to make things right. And we must cry out to God to lead us in what we ought to do to make a difference. Each one of us has a certain sphere of influence. I cannot change the world, I don't have that kind of influence, but I can make a difference in my world, in my footprint, in the spaces which I occupy. Each one of you, online and here, you occupy certain spaces in your life, where you study, where you work, family, friends, where you come from, certain communities, there you can exercise influence and under the guidance of God you can be used by him to bring about the kingdom of God. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And So may God help us, not only for us personally to do his will but to somehow bring about his will to bear in our areas of responsibility. There where our children are, in their schools, where our families, where we work, as much as you can, under the guidance of God, not in your own strength, not because you're angry, not because you are revolted, but under the guidance of God. Make a difference when you are. Yet we know people that, Our present exile in this broken world makes us look forward to our own exodus when Jesus returns. And of course, our own sinfulness and our own need for grace should lead us to pray again that the Holy Spirit would work in conforming us into the image of Christ and helping others to find Jesus as well. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for the story of Moses. Which, although it happened so long ago, about 4,000 years ago. It still speaks to us today. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of scripture. We can see these stories kind of fitting together like a puzzle. How Moses' life story pointed so much to Jesus. And how we see in Jesus the fulfillment of all these foreshadows, And thank you that today, Lord, we can learn from this. And that the story of Moses and the story of Jesus touches us today, here, 2022, Pretoria, South Africa, wherever we may be watching, listening, and being part of the service. It touches us where we are today, Lord. And so we pray, Father, help us. To have your heart for the world around us. To have compassion. To be concerned as Moses was for his people. As Jesus was for his people and for the world. Help us also, Lord, to have a burden for our world. For our sphere of influence. And to be available to you, O God. To be used by you. In whatever way, no matter how small it may be to be used by you to make a difference in our world today for your glory lord so now may the love of god the father the grace and the peace of our lord jesus christ and the fellowship of the holy spirit remain upon us as we remain sensitive to god's voice in order to make a difference in our world today amen and amen the lord bless you have a great sunday next sunday we are again for one more story if you are parents of children be patient i'm sure they're still having a good time there so let them enjoy a little bit further uh, while you enjoy some coffee outside have a wonderful day and see you next sunday god bless you amen